0: Hello, you're listening to the Life Before Trinity podcast, where we delve into the previous life of a student, staff member, or spouse to find out where they saw God at work in their life before Trinity. And for our first episode, we're chatting to Sophie Brooks. Sophie, how are you?
1: I'm good, thanks.
0: <laughs> um, Sophie, who can you can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Uh I don't know, key key yeah. information
1: information i'm sophie i'm married to rich um we came to bristol in august last year so we've just come to the end i guess of our first year here at trinity um, we came from london but we're not london people through and through um the country folk really where are you from um, Sophie? i'm from exeter um yeah we love bristol we love trinity we we feel really blessed to be here.
0: And just in case anyone is thinking, Sophie who? Um, Sophie is not an ordinary which is why you may not have seen her around college that much. Um, but you obviously had to sacrifice a whole load coming to Bristol. What, what, what did you do before you moved? So
1: before we moved to Bristol, um, I was a mum. I still am a mum. Um, but immediately before coming, I was on maternity leave um, from having our first child, little Ralph, um, who's nearly two. It's Very cute. Um, yeah. But before that, um, I worked for Marks and Spencer. I um, led a function called Employee Experience, which is essentially about helping every employee of m have the best experience of work they possibly could. Um, so I genuinely thought it was the best job in the business because it wasn't anything to do with selling bananas or slippers, and everything to do with having fun and feeling motivated. And the
0: two the two best sellers for M&S slippers yeah. and bananas. I
1: don't know. Umbrellas as well. That's quite high.
0: Excellent. <laughs> and you know this isn't just any job, is it? This is this is an M&S job. Like
1: You're very good. What
0: <laughs> I just had to weave it in there. Sorry, it's awful, isn't it? what how what led you to that you know yeah what what led you to that job what was it was it the whole ethical dimension of the business or like yeah how did God lead you to that
1: was a good question God led me really clearly to that job but not in the way that I had imagined um so I'd been working for MS um for a long time um I first started working for m s because I did their graduate program. Um, I graduated from university in 2009, uh, which was firmly, um, the financial crisis. <laughs> so I applied for 18 graduate programs and I got right. one job offer. Um, and that was M and S. So, um, that was quite, it felt like quite clear direction from God that that was the job I was to take. Anyway, years later, um, I'd done quite a few different jobs and Uh, ended up in this team that i spoke about um and then then i just managed to craft a job that i really wanted to do every time it was time to move on to a new job i kind of created a new one for myself and managed to (laughs) wangle it so that people bought in and um how did you manage that
0: because i suspect there may be some people listening who think i'd love to be able to create my own job
1: yeah i mean i a good gain when it comes to <laughs> um making MS think that we needed that job which we did um I don't know yeah just put a business business case together put some pound signs on it and um tried to get people to buy in to the idea that happy employees would essentially mean happy customers which would mean more money in the till at the end of the day because um yeah, a great employee experience essentially gives a great customer experience, which makes you more money. Uh, it's pretty crude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um, I, I mean, some people may not know, I mean, I, I worked for a design agency in Bristol many years ago, but whilst Sophie would have been at M&S and we worked, was it retail communications? Was that, was that? Yeah. The, yeah.
1: Been, yeah.
0: So we would have worked with people that you would have probably have known i think so we mentioned funny. richard gillies as well didn't we we worked yeah, with yeah
1: um, he's the director of
0: and um but we never crossed paths unfortunately know, and probably funny. the amount of times i hot desked probably somewhere near you and we never Gosh, met yeah, yeah
1: that is crazy <laughs> um
0: so but did you did you have a time in in the plan a and, and tell us a little bit about what Plan A is for those who don't know, because I thought you did a stint in Plan A as well, or is that my... my yeah, so um,
1: all the time, or essentially all the jobs that I did in the head office rather than in the retail business, um, half of my role was um, attached to Plan A, which is m and sustainability programme. Um, For those of you who don't know, M&S is unbelievable when it comes to sustainability and that's eco, ethical, environmental, but also social. Um, I mean, I could talk about this for a long time, I won't (laughs) bore you. Um, But I worked on the social, the like people side of the sustainability plan. Um, So the environmental and eco-ethical side was really big at the start when the plan launched because the biggest issue at the time was climate change. Whereas now, um, well, climate change is still a massive issue, but we're also much more aware and alert to issues like loneliness and mental health and youth unemployment and social issues. So, my side of the sustainability plan just grew and grew and grew whilst I was there. Um, so yeah, we, we we probably did cross paths at some point, which is so funny to think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and what did you find yourself getting particularly passionate about was there was there an aspect of that job that yeah just really
1: yeah so the, mm, made
0: you get up for work the in the morning
1: best part of my job was um i ran an employability program um which is called marks and start which nobody's ever heard of because MS is terrible at marketing it um but it's essentially helping people disadvantaged people get into work so people who are far from even thinking they'd ever be able to get a job so people with disabilities or people who are homeless or single mums who've been out of work a long time or um, yeah anyone essentially that um, is really struggling to get work in through the normal means or even work experience Um, this was a program to help them to train them um, to most of the time it was all just about their their confidence and their self esteem um a lot of them you'd meet them on day 1 and they couldn't even look you in the eye they'd just be looking down at the floor and then two weeks or four weeks later after we trained them and worked with them and got them to do the job um they would just be a completely different person and that is really what um got me up in the mornings and because we 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 were genuinely changing people's lives which sounds crazy through a job but um yeah there's something as small as a two-week work experience program can make such a difference to someone's life and did so yeah that was something i was so proud of
0: wow that's so good and not saying you'd necessarily like associate with i suppose a big like corporate business having this yeah. like sustainability yeah it's true there
1: are a lot of businesses doing their bit for charity and um i guess it all started as philanthropy but now it's got a much more sturdy business case behind it but m&s it really was amazing and and as i say no customers would never know about it because they were genuinely doing it because it was the right thing to do rather than to make profit out of it um,
0: i think i remember seeing like one of the plan a like end of year reports and i think it said something like doing good is good business or something like that and i was oh, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it quite is. cool it's yeah. true. <laughs> um, and so as well like now, I, I hear from a very reliable source uh, that, you, <laughs> that, that you are someone who loves to take their faith into work. So mm. I guess my first question is like, what do you feel like your giftings are um, in terms of spiritual gifts or, like, or, or your passions more generally when it comes to your faith? Um, what, what are those things? Um, oh,
1: that's a great question. Uh, I guess I always have been and hopefully always will be hugely passionate about people coming to know Jesus um, One of my biggest fears is that um, my friends and my family and people who have met me at some stage in their life will die not knowing jesus, and it massively spurs me on to um yeah to tell them to share my faith with them and just to give, just an open invitation to people who I may be the only person in their life who knows Jesus, and therefore I've got a big job to do. <laughs> um, so I've always seen my workplace as my mission field, um, and it just gives work a totally different dimension because yeah, you're you're getting up and cycling in every day or getting on the tube, or whatever you do to get to work, to do your job and to do a great job and to lead a team or um yeah achieve your objectives but um it's always really I've always just loved knowing that really my main reason for going to work is to hopefully open some doors and share Jesus with the people around me um kind of just gives a different perspective and motivation I guess for um for being around different people, and it's really like it really hasn't been easy. I'm not at all good at it. I haven't had loads of success at all. Um, but yeah, I guess um, I really don't like. In fact, no, hate is a strong word. I really don't like the term evangelist. Really, um, I just I just think it's silly. Like everybody is an evangelist. Um, we've all got the same message to share so I really try to steer clear of saying I'm an evangelist but um, I guess I feel that burden heavier than some people and have that passion Um, and that yeah that's really motivated me at work to share Jesus in whatever way I can wacky or or normal Um, yeah
0: It's it's a part of your calling and it may it may not be but do you feel like a part of your calling is also helping other people to see their work as their mission field? Cause I guess like I I'd, I'd say maybe a problem in the Western church is that we have like people up front, as it were, like doing mm-hmm. the stuff and they're seen as like, that's like, that's full-time ministry. And I guess mm-hmm. my understanding is, it's, it's the other way around. Like you in your previous job, that's frontline ministry. Cause you're out there in the workplace amongst people. Mm-hmm. Demonstrating yeah, your faith. Um
1: I um it reminds me of my my grandparents were amazing. They were missionaries in Japan, they're absolutely incredible people. And I remember whilst I was working for MS, every time I'd go and visit my grandma, she'd say to me, Are you working for the Lord yet? <laughs> Which would mean, <laughs> have you quit your job and are you in full time ministry? And I would always say to her, Yes, grandma, I am working for the Lord. Every day when I go into my workplace, I'm working for the Lord. But we had different understandings of what working for the Lord <laughs> um, but yeah, I I feel ah oh, hugely passionate about activating people in their faith, um, Christians, to be able to share their faith. Um, I we had a, a like a career break about four years ago now. Um, Rich and I basically quit our jobs and decided we were gonna just take some time out and um, rest a bit and travel and just chill out which was amazing the best thing we could have done at the time we were totally exhausted working in London um anyway during that time I really felt like God put it on my heart to um like think through and write down what that what it could mean to help activate people um and energize them and like give them confidence to be able to share their faith um and I felt like God like really clearly revealed a kind of almost like a journey line um to me so essentially we're all on we're all on this line somewhere those of us who've already given their lives to jesus and um it's just about taking one step further along the line in terms of confidence to share your faith Um, so the beginning of the line might just be saying to your work colleagues i'm a christian or i went to church yesterday and then the other end of the line might be actually genuinely walking through the gospel and praying for them that they can come to know Jesus themselves but there's obviously loads of steps in the middle of sharing your testimony or praying for healing for them or sharing a prophetic word with them or whatever it might look like and each step takes a bit more confidence and a bit more kind of oomph and faith I guess um but yeah I felt like God kind of almost gave me this tool of it's helpful to be able to get people to identify where they're at on the line, like really honestly, and then therefore, what's the next step for them. Um, Mm. so yeah, it's something I'm hugely passionate about. Um, and would, yeah, absolutely love, um, like in 10 years time or 50 years time or whatever, I'd love to know that I've, I guess, helped activate people to be able to share their faith. Um, Mm. Well, I don't really know how. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the best way to go about it, but yeah Join the I queue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Wow.
0: Well, and and in terms of then, like more personally for you, in terms of going into M&S every day, wh- like what did that look like for you from a faith perspective? Like, well, I guess, are there any like highlights where you just saw God move in a particular way through something you said or did or? Yeah, were there like any moments over those years that that were just standout moments?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Um
0: assuming as well around. that like there were a thousand that weren't standout yeah, and just exactly. fell flat on their face. Okay.
1: I wrote each one down because I know that thinking back, I think oh, it was all just a load of mess ups and failures because that was the prevailing <laughs> feeling. Um but yeah, there were definitely some amazing moments of um, God, I guess God challenging me to step out and him hugely turning up and coming through. Um, mm. I won't bore you with them all, but one particular one that, um, I will always remember is, um, uh, one Easter holidays, we were, we were, went on holiday with some friends and on the plane on the way home, my friend said to me, um, have you ever prayed for healing for someone at work? Um, someone that's not a Christian, someone that has no concept of the fact that God would what is there or God would heal. And that was so far from my normal at the time. And I was like, no way. Um, but she was like, okay, but I, but I wanted to like, I thought that'd be amazing. Like what an incredible door that would be because obviously God would heal them. And obviously they'd then become a Christian and obviously everybody in the office would become a Christian because they've been healed. Um, (laughs) so she said to me, okay, this week at work, I want like, I want you to pray for one person to, to be healed of something and then we'll check in again next week and I love a challenge I love a competition so I I thought I'm gonna do it um but it felt so far out of what was comfortable for me anyway um I walked into work on Monday morning and um one of my colleagues at the end of my bank of desks had her arm in a plaster cast and as I walked past her and sort of said, oh, gosh, what have you done? And she said she was in a bike accident and had broken her wrist really badly. And I just felt like God prompted me saying, she's the one. And I was like, God, you've got to be joking. A plaster cast, like there's no way she can tell if that's healed. I'm not Maybe,
0: maybe you could just start off with like a sprained ankle yeah, or
1: something. Exactly. You know, something that- that- <laughs> Like, come on, Lord, that is, oh, no way. <laughs> Um, anyway, I called my friend who'd sent me this challenge and I was like, Oh, my heart is racing because I feel like God's asking me to pray for this lady with her arm in the plastic glass, but I do not want to do it. And she was like, just ask God for the very next step. So you don't need to pray for her right now today, but just ask God to open the door for the next bit. Um, so yeah, I did. That was actually really helpful advice. Um, kind of taking it step by step. So um, when I went to the loo's later on in the day, um, she was in the toilets and we were just washing our hands together. And again, I felt like my heart racing. I felt like God say, tell her you want to pray for her. So I said, oh, look, you probably think this is really bonkers and crazy. But as you know, I'm a Christian and I believe that God heals and I think he can heal your arm. I'd really love to pray for you. And she did the classic thing of like, oh, thank you so much. That would be really kind. But obviously thinking I'll do that in my head, on my own, at home, nothing to do with her right now. Um, and then <laughs> so she walked away. <laughs> so I was there like, oh, no, wait. Um. Anyway, so I let that go. And again, I was like, God, this is just ridiculous. I can't. I can't do this. Anyway, I asked for the next thing, which was, okay, if I'm going to pray for her, I need... To be alone with her like in a room or in an area where we're not going to be interrupted because i'm not doing this in the middle of the office that is too much shame i can't take that right now um so later that day uh, so she was a colleague that we never really worked together um closely at all we were in different teams um i don't think we'd ever really been in a meeting together just the two of us but later that day she came up to my desk and said um, she was just about to go onto a conference call with the French, the team in Paris, the MS team in Paris, and the translator had just pulled out. And because I spoke French, could I come on the call and translate for her? Um, so I said, yeah, that's totally fine. And I knew straight away, this is my moment because we're going to be in a room together. Um, so anyway, went into this meeting, it was just me and her and obviously the people on the phone and the whole, I wasn't listening to the meeting at all. The whole time I was just willing it to end so that I could pray for her. Um anyway, the call finished. There were people queuing up outside the meeting room. I was thinking, oh this is like we've overrun. There's no way I've got time to do this. Anyway, just before we left the room I said, oh Jo can I um can I just pray for your arm now before we go? And she's she again did the classic thing of like, oh uh gosh, okay, yes. I mean very difficult to say no in that moment so she said yes um (laughs) I said oh I'm just gonna put my hand on your arm and I'm gonna close my eyes and just say some words you can do whatever you like close your eyes you know I was already feeling so awkward um anyway I just put my hand on her wrist prayed I don't even know what I prayed um very quick prayer and I opened my eyes and she had tears streaming down her face and she looked at me and was like, what have you just done to my arm? <laughs> and I said, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry if I pressed too hard. Are you okay? And she was like, there's heat searing through my arm under the cast. I don't know what is happening. And so I just said, God's just healing your arm. That's all. <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> don't panic, everyone. Don't panic.
1: Because we had to get out of the room. And so... But I was like fist bumping the air. I was like, Yes, God, you've totally healed her arm, and she's not going to be able to deny it. But then I also remembered that her arm was in a plaster cast, and so there was no way that we could really see if it was healed just, yet, just then, anyway. Hmm. Anyway, I'd kind of, I was just praying about it um, by myself over the following weeks, but um, I didn't have the confidence to ask her how her arm was feeling. But on the day she went to the hospital to get her cast off, um, they'd said to her beforehand, the, the break is so bad that once the cast is off, we're going to need to put a metal plate in your wrist so that you can get full movement again. Anyway, on the day she went to the hospital to get the cast off, she sent an email to um, me and copying in my whole team um, and just saying, oh, hey guys, I'm going to be late in today. I'm going to the hospital to get my cast off. Um, and then at the bottom, she said, let's see if Sophie's God has healed my arm. And I read it and was like, what? Where's that come from? Like, she hasn't, she obviously hasn't forgotten. This is incredible.
0: But also now um, your whole team knows.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, and the whole, I don't know, two hours or whatever, I was just on the edge of my seat, like, Lord, this is your moment. is going to be like revival in m um, and <laughs> Yeah.
0: That'd be, then, that'd be a great place for a, a revival. Oh, to they start. need
1: it. That's true. <laughs> um, anyway, then she sent an email from the hospital once um, she'd got her cast off in capital letters saying, Sophie's God has healed my arm. Um, right. When they took the cast off, they couldn't find any um, sign of a break or any damage to the wrist, and they didn't need to do an op to put the plate in. Um, so I think she herself was so like, well obviously overwhelmed that her arm was better but she attributed it to, to god and that was more than i could have asked for um so that yeah that was like an amazing moment for me of feeling totally terrified to step out in that way and then god just massively coming through for me at each of the steps of the journey like i prayed for an occasion we have this meeting i prayed for the arm she felt something so, and I know that doesn't always happen. It certainly hasn't always happened to me. I prayed for many more healings in MS and and have had some hugely awkward, awful non-healings. Um, but it was, given that was my first one there, it really, it was a huge faith booster for me to be like, this is obviously what God is asking of me in this place. And I just need to, literally the worst that can happen is that people don't get healed. Like what, there's nothing to lose. Um, so yeah, sorry, hugely long-winded no, <laughs> huge no, no. reply. Oh, wow. Um, but that was a cool That was a cool moment.
0: Wow. And it, like, I mean, imagine for a moment again that you're, because that was, that, sorry, that was your first time praying for healing for someone, wasn't it?
1: For some, for like non-Christian. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow, okay. So that's definitely deep end territory, isn't it? Like what, I suppose, like if you were in a position now, where you were sort of encouraging someone to do that like what would you what would you say how, how would you go about encouraging someone to step out and try that for themselves
1: yeah good question um I think first it's really helpful to understand what is the worst that could happen which I always kept telling myself whenever well whenever anyone would come into work and be like oh, I've got such a headache or my back aches or I want my friend like broke her finger in a netball match the night before literally my heart would sink every time because i'd think i oh, know i'm going to have to pray for you but <laughs> i i have to remind myself what's the worst that can happen is they don't get healed and they probably don't think anything different to god or to me um so i think that is a really helpful starting place of like what's the worst that can happen you might look a little bit foolish well that was me all the time so like that's not a big deal um but then, yeah, for me, it was this steps thing. Like, what what is the one next step I need? Rather than, like, doing the whole big prayer right there and then in a really awkward environment, just, like, asking God for the next thing you need. Like, God, give me an opportunity to tell that person I want to pray for them. Okay, now give me an opportunity to pray with them in private. Now give me an opportunity to ask them how they feel. You know, like, mm. and God will... God, that answer, like God answers prayer. God wants people healed. I'm a hundred percent convinced God wants people well. And so asking him for a, like, yeah, little thing by little thing, um, is yeah, really helped me. And then the final thing is like, once you've done it once, that is like the biggest barrier you're going to come across. Um, after that, it just gets easier and easier and easier and so much more natural. The, the first time is the worst by an absolute country mile. Um, but once you've done it once, then yeah, it only gets easier and you become more natural. And like if, if, it, if they don't get healed or it doesn't, miracle doesn't happen there and, there and then, then you can shrug it off a bit more easily. Um, yeah. don't know if that helps.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I like, I was just thinking then about, um like before we moved to Bristol uh I went out once a week with this um church leader in Exeter who was like well known for I guess like his sort of healing ministry partly because I just wanted to like follow him around and see what happened um and uh but partly because I wanted to step out in more of that stuff and I remember like every week even if the past week something really amazing had happened you'd almost like have to choose to step out Mm -hmm. all over again I don't know if that resonates with you in terms of like I I know what you mean about it kind of gets easier but then almost every time I I find that I have to choose yeah again and again yeah yeah.
1: Um, it is that classic thing of like it is a muscle and you do need to practice exercising it like now not being surrounded by those people every day I feel so out of practice and so oh I feel like it would be like doing it for the first time all over again yeah the fear the anxiety all comes rushing back so yeah I I totally know what you mean yeah
0: and so often as well I suppose what sticks out is like how often we're led by like our own preconceptions of what may or may not happen or or past experience like where we've prayed for someone and healing hasn't happened and we're like well why do I bother God if you're not going to turn up again and how we process that as well is crucial um yeah
1: the
0: the other thing I was going to ask you is like I guess from what you said it was like this was a job that you really loved would that be Mm. fair to say yeah I absolutely
1: loved it yeah
0: um and you've had to lay that down for rich to come and study mm-hmm. like how has that journey been for you like what has that been like you know dropping everything that you feel like you're called to for this particular time to then yeah. you know, chuck it into for the sake of rich well for sake of yeah
1: kind of, um rich as well <laughs> it has <laughs> it's been a long old journey and i feel like i'm probably the most reluctant of the ordinance spouses that there could be. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It has been a journey that has been going on for years and, and um, yeah, I've been very kind of clear all the way along and as Rich and I have been exploring it and kind of do we or do we not become obedient to God's call? Um, And is this even like, is this God's call when we've got, We love, you know, we love our jobs in London. We love our church. We love where we live. Like, this is really different and does feel like laying down a lot. Um, And also when cool stuff's happening, like, kingdom-wise, like, at work, yeah, like you say, it feels like, really? I'm to let this all go? Um, But, um, yeah, I guess, I mean, there are many times I would say to Rich, why on earth would you want to go and like train to become a vicar when you're needed in the mission field?
0: <laughs> yeah. Lots lots of us have had those questions. Some imagine. of us still do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's encouraging. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess my point was like, we need our best people in the secular world, not in the church, because there's loads of great people doing that church stuff and we're needed here. Um, but I guess as we like processed it and prayed about it and sought counsel about it. Um, and I think God just really worked on my heart and more and more I've seen that there is no, there is no more exciting calling or job than to, um, be able to like help activate people in their faith, help bring them alive and mm-hmm. introduce people to Jesus for the first time. Um, and who knows what we'll end up doing but um yeah I think it's I can honestly say I was hugely I was totally against us rich doing this stuff um and us responding to this call I really was a few years ago I was absolutely adamant we were never going to come but it's been a real journey of God's really worked on my heart and and my biggest prayer was like Lord I'll go but I I really don't want to go reluctant. I don't want to end up in Bristol or wherever Rich trains with a really reluctant heart like that. I want to be all in. And genuinely, by his grace, he has given me an excitement and passion for, um, at least for training and for this season. Um, And I guess it's all been coupled with my, a prayer of like, please don't let this um, evangelism side of things like die a death during this time. I I want, like I massively want this to be part of our story and our calling and our journey forever. Um, And so even though I might think it's, um, you know, this training time is more focusing on kind of formation and brain and heart training, um, I think God's showing me that it can also be, is hugely like valuable time to to train and learn how to be a better evangelist. And I hate the word, you know, but how to um, introduce people to Jesus in a different way. So yeah, um, that doesn't really answer your question. It did, it was really painful <laughs> laying it all down and knowing that moving here would mean I couldn't go back to that job um, was really hard. And yeah, and still is. Um, but I but I'm just so grateful that God's worked enough on my heart that I'm here not reluctant um, Mm. and excited for yeah what our kind of future ministry looks like Um, but it doesn't mean it's not it doesn't mean it's easy
0: (laughs) yeah yeah totally and I guess like I I, I mean I, I I suspect like people have said to you over the years that that thing that lots of people seem to say when they're like you know god god never puts anything to waste as it were like he never mm-hmm. takes us to something that or a, or a job or whatever that ultimately then goes on the sort of waste pile later on in our lives like i think yeah you know god will use what he has done and um the gifts that he's put in you in the next stage It just like feels weird doesn't it because it feels like you're on this like sort of um no man's land where like nothing's happening like everything feels like it's on pause doesn't it in terms of yeah. ministry like it's really w- weird i guess it is weird yeah um
1: yeah it's true but no that is encouraging that like none of it goes to waste and yeah god doesn't make mistakes so yeah definitely yeah, exciting to see what he does definitely. with
0: it yeah um sophie thank you so much um for being the first guest um and just being (laughs) so honest and and vulnerable as well um yeah thank you so much um to those who have dared to listen to the first uh iteration of this podcast thank you so much for listening um we will be back with um someone else for you next time but we'll see you soon bye bye